Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And welcome to another episode of Life Exchange. We are ready, ready to go. <laughs> As always, we're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, I don't have anything quippy to say. So I think we'll just get right into the first question. Yeah. Does that work for you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So. All right. Okay. The first question is, how can you stir hunger in those that you lead? So we're assuming that this is a Christian audience we're speaking to. So that's a spiritual, that's a Christianese kind of term. Spiritual hunger. Yeah, yeah, to stir hunger in someone. It's like, well, starve them. No, <laughs> like, no we're talking about like, how do you stir um, like a desire for God or a passion for God um, in someone that you're leading? Just to clarify, sometimes I think we are very familiar with our language. <laughs> Somebody yeah. else will be like, what? Well, through my years of experience. Hey, you took my line. That's <laughs> oh, what I was going to use. Oh, no. Well, you have more She's years. More of years of I have more years of experience. Okay. Use the line. Um, if I had the power to make somebody hungry, I would do it all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would take this system down and I would just milk it for all it's worth. But uh, we really don't have the power to make someone hungry. Uh, but we can model being hungry for the Lord. Yeah. We can model uh, being hungry for his presence, his power, uh, to be hungry, to fulfill our purpose in life. Um, and if we model that, uh, someone could see how we're living our lives and begin to desire or have an aspiration towards that. Yeah. Uh, but so modeling can be a, a good way of demonstrating that, but we still don't have the power to make someone hungry. So in my many years of experience, <laughs> not as many as your the years that you have experience but in my yeah I'm hey <laughs> whoa I'm not that far behind <laughs> all right I see how it is all right so in my many years of experience the first thing that I've noticed like with spiritual hunger is that it originates from God and not man mm -hmm. and so in, in a sense there's kind of no rhyme or reasoning because I've seen people that you wouldn't expect them to be hungry because they haven't demonstrated that, but they they come in and they're hungry or they're expressing a hunger or they're desiring more. And you're like, where did this come from? Mm -hmm. and, it, and it was just God moving. Another thing that I noticed, and, and I want to preface this by, I, I do feel like all spiritual hunger originates with the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. but these might be, you know, how can I put it? These are like situations where I've noticed people desire more of... Like invitations yeah, to be yeah. hungry. Like this is a situation or a circumstance mm -hmm. that could stir hunger if someone's heart is soft. Yeah, so one of, those, one of those uh, situations is desperation. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's kind of like my life is falling apart, personally, relationally, financially, and they're running, they're looking for a solution. They're looking for an answer, which yeah. is okay because yeah. even Jesus said, come to me all who are thirsty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I do believe it originates from God, but circumstances have a way of like 
maybe getting us well, out of the way? Well, the Bible says, draw near unto me and I'll draw near unto you. So sometimes in those places of desperation, people are drawing closer to God mm-hmm. because they think, know it's beyond their ability yeah. to overcome. I don't think that's a bad thing. Like no. I think we can look at that and say, well, yeah, like you're hungry or like you're desperate. So that's why. But I think the gospel is for that person just as much. Even like in Isaiah where it says, um, come eat, come drink, you who have no money, come. Mm-hmm. So it that's okay. Like if you're desperate, you're desperate. Like it gets That's you to God. That's how I got saved. <laughs> and, and I, I was so desperate. God, if you exist, do something. You know, yeah. it was my desperation that caused me to even try to say, God, are are you even real? Yeah. Do you exist? And so, God will use. He doesn't. He doesn't orchestrate those things, but at the exact same time, it's a great opportunity. Well, like what you said, it gets us out of the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't hear that. That's good. Well, I said that not to judge the person. No, I, no, I'm not saying that you were. <laughs> yeah, I guess my point in saying this first two is the question was, how do I lead someone? Mm-hmm. The first two that I said, it's God for one. That's, mm-hmm. you don't have a role in that. And for someone being desperate, you don't have a role in that either. Yeah. So how do we lead someone when when it originates in God or it takes a circumstance to push someone into desiring more. So those are things that I've noticed over the years, but I will say this as leaders is we have a responsibility to set a table for people. Yeah, that's good. That we prepare a place or we give an opportunity. So the person that is desperate or the person that is being moved by God for more, Mm -hmm. we actually facilitate a place for them to eat. We Mm -hmm. set the table, we prepare prepare the meal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we have a role in that aspect. If you look at Romans 10, it talks about how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? Yeah, they're And how good. can they hear about him unless someone tells them? So this is something that we've actually kind of been talking about is how we might be shifting some things in our own church service of giving leaving more space mm-hmm. for those that are hungry, mm-hmm. giving more space or more opportunity for them to seek or for them to uh, go after the things of God. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes in church services, it's kind of very orchestrated or it's very uh, structured, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But as leaders, if we are going to lead those that are hungry, we also have to give them a space for them to sit down at the table and eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even to go on with with that line of thinking, I think also like talk about the meal, like Mm. set the table, but talk about the meal. I think about restaurant reviews. Like if if I tell you, hey, I ate at this restaurant and the food was no good, like blah, 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 Mm -hmm. then you have no appetite to eat at that restaurant. Yeah. But if I if I make it so colorful, and I'm not saying to exaggerate, but if I if I was genuinely impressed by this meal, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about it in in um, such detail and such passion, like your mouth is going to be watering. You're going to want to look this place up. You're gonna go, you're going to want to go eat that meal. And so I think also like that is a way that we can help 
lead people is just by talking about the meal. You can't make somebody hungry. That's but the power I can of talk testimony. About, yeah, right I can talk yeah. about what he's done in my life. Mm-hmm. And then trust, even as I'm talking about it, the Holy Spirit is present in my testimony. Mm-hmm. He, is, um, he is in that atmosphere and other people are going to feel that. They're going to sense that. Um, and um, something else I'd say is how do you lead people to be hungry is you be hungry mm-hmm. because people will see that on you. Um, if, if you're... Um, again, this is Christianese language, but like if you're on fire, they're going to smell the smoke. Like there's there there is going to be something that they pick up on just by by seeing your hunger. Now, what they do with that is totally up to them. But I think that is a big thing: is um, how do you lead somebody into hunger? Is you be hungry? And it can be frustrating because as leaders, you can set the table when people complain yeah. about the meal. Yeah. Right. Or they're like, or they're not hungry, or maybe they're not hungry because they're filled with a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have a responsibility as leaders to prepare a place, but it still goes back to God leading them or them being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And He is drawing every person. It's not like He chooses. Like, okay, I'm going to draw that person, that person. He is drawing every man yes. to himself. And so it's not to say that, um, like, it, it's his working. Well, mm-hmm. I guess he's not drawing me or he's not drawing that person. No, he's drawing every man to himself uh, and just waiting for that response, waiting for them to actually receive that invitation to know him. I believe as leaders that when we model God's heart, we're we're going to... Uh, respond and act and function in ways that are not typical human nature, that who we are and what we display is is coming from the heart of God to the point that people recognize not only is it different, but they want to be around that. Mm -hmm. For instance, hope is contagious. Loving people is contagious. You know, being kind is contagious. And once you start tasting of those things, that's really when you get hungry. There's a a neat story from years ago in the very first church we pastored in Kansas City. Um, But there there was a a story of a, a a little girl, she, her parents were missionaries and they were in the mission field. And so she comes back. That's all she's ever known was being out of the United States. She comes back to a church of, you know, how they have the furlough, that type of thing. And they put a bowl of ice cream in front of her. And she took a bite of this ice cream and she pushed it away and said, this has to be sin. It's, <laughs> it's too good for it not to be sin. And because um, she just got a taste of it and it tasted so good. And so they explained, no, it's it's not sin to eat this ice cream. But uh, until you taste something, you, you don't know what you're missing. Yeah. And I think in our lives, because of whatever reason, our experiential reality, the battles we struggle, the difficulties, those moments of desperation, when we can just get a taste. And I think that's what we want to do in church, in worship, in our leadership, uh, in relationships and friendship, is just model it and live it and allow uh, who you are in God and the hunger that you have. Just It's just a taste, letting them taste it. And when they truly taste of the things of the Spirit, they're going to want more. Yeah. 
like I said earlier, this true spiritual hunger originates from God. Yeah. So as leaders, yes, we can prepare a place, which is important, but we need to be praying yes. for those that we lead. Mm-hmm. When we do that, we invite spiritual activity in their life. They might not even realize it's happening, but as you pray, you are maybe changing the atmosphere or changing hearts or there is power in prayer. And we're going to actually probably talk about that on another podcast talking about prayer. But if we're going to lead people into greater levels of spiritual hunger, we should be praying into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this scripture in Malachi, and, and it says that those that spoke one to another, a book of remembrance was written before those who feared the Lord and spoke often upon his name. So what this is saying is when we are just talking about the things of God, God is writing it in a book. And because we love and we fear the Lord, for me, I don't want to do anything to grieve his heart. Your definition of fear is, Katie? Nothing and no one comes above God. Yeah. And when we talk about, even just this podcast, you know, whether it's eloquent or not, well, it's rarely eloquent, (laughs) but uh, just by listening and just by talking about the things of God literally activates... um, someone's connection, their ability to think in alignment. What's got your attention has got your direction. So if we're talking on the things of God, it stirs hunger. Just like you talked about the restaurant. If a group of people are just talking about how great this restaurant is, you're going, oh, maybe I should try that restaurant. Uh, Or, oh, they've got sales down at that store. You know, that's a great place to go. You want to go to that store. And so if we're talking on the things of God, not only can it stir hunger in someone else, but God is writing it in a book of remembrance. This is going into uh, eternity. Every time we speak on the things of God, none of the things that we talk about uh, in the goodness of God and our testimony, the power of our testimony is wasted. It is eternal because God is writing it down. And then later on in that chapter, It talks about uh, the son of righteousness arising with healing in his wings. And we will come out like a calf out of a stall. We're going to come into those places of freedom because as he's writing those things down, those things build up and build up and build up till we see a manifestation of freedom. Yeah. I also think it's true that you can't lead someone where you're not willing to go. So true. And I think of David, you know, he's out there killing lions and bears, right? Israel is in fear because Goliath comes out. He insults them. He, he uh, harasses them. No one's willing to go out and fight. David comes, a young whippersnapper, I guess, <laughs> says, you know, God delivered me from the lion and the bear. I killed him. He delivered me. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? But the interesting thing about that is when he defeated Goliath, the the Israel army got up and then pursued after the mm. the retreating uh, Philistines. Mm-hmm. That's just good. like David was willing to mm-hmm. kill the lion, kill the bear, willing to confront Goliath. His courage actually yeah. stirred courage within the Israelites to go pursue after their enemy. Yeah, 
And so I talk a lot about, or I encourage uh, worship leaders the same thing. A lot of times we, as worship leaders, use Sunday service as our devotional time. <laughs> That's not a good recipe for leading people. You mm -hmm. actually, during the week, have to go somewhere. So when you are in that situation, that you're actually already been where, you know, you've already been where God has taken you, or you've already experienced what God once for that service so that when you get there, hence worship leader, you're leading people into something that you've already been. So and we good. have to be willing to take that time to invest into that. Actually, someone asked me about, because we're kind of doing some things different at church, it's more stripped down. And part of me, there's an excitement there because I am having that worship experience throughout the week. And then I just have an opportunity that, hey, I invite people along where I've already been. Yeah. And and I think that's there's there's real power in that. Like like I said, if you're using as a worship leader, if you're using that worship time as your devotional time, people are gonna be lost because you're you're trying to figure it out <laughs> and they're trying to follow you, but you're unsure. But if you're already coming in, and that doesn't mean that, hey, I God took me places in my worship time with him during the week that it looked very different in the worship on the Sunday experience, but I was still willing to follow his lead. And, and in that moment I could maneuver or change or just go where he was leading. Yeah. And for the person who's coming to church, mm -hmm. if Sunday is their only time yeah. that yeah. they are worshiping and for some, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just what they know yeah. is that I come to church and I want to come to church every Sunday. I'm faithful to come to church every Sunday because I know that I am going to be in this presence. I'm going to experience, uh, I'm going to have an encounter with God and they, they, that that is where their level of mm -hmm. knowledge or yeah. experience is. Yeah. And so I think as leaders, what we can do is say, hey, you can have this every moment of every day. You can have this seven days a week, 365. These moments that you're getting on a Sunday, you can access that all the time. And so sometimes I think there is a, almost a level of education. Mm -hmm. uh, and And as leaders... That can be a little scary of as leaders of a church because if I am spoon feeding you on a Sunday, that means you're going to show up every Sunday. Mm. But if mm -hmm. you know how to feed yourself, mm -hmm. are you going to keep coming back on a Sunday? Do you need me anymore to stir this atmosphere of worship for you? So there can, even if it's subconsciously, be this like, well, we need to give them something to come for. But if that is if that is what people are coming for, then we've lost the mission. And I think anyway. that, that I think that so thinking is short sighted. Yeah. Because if people would realize if they encounter God during the week, what type of encounters we oh, would have yeah. corporately? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like yes. there is a there we encounter God or we encounter the Holy Spirit on a personal level, but there is a level that we encounter Him on a yes. uh, in a on a community level, in a family level, mm -hmm. in a local church level. That if we come in prepared, and that's why one of the reasons we sent we make a little Spotify playlist of these are the songs that we're doing, so that you can be prepared. So when we actually get there, uh, the experience is so much more heightened because 
we took the time to cultivate it during the week. Well, mm-hmm. and if you are like, if, if you are just that you're coming every Sunday uh, and you're, you're running dry. And so mm-hmm. you look to Sunday to fill you up, but imagine when you are full of your own, with your own worship, with your own oil of his presence throughout the week, then you can come to give. You come and you overflow and you uh, are able to worship, not just to fill your own um tank or your own cup, but you are then connecting with, with one another. You're connecting with heaven, uh, in, in such a way that, um, it's so much more powerful when you're, when you're connecting with each other and with heaven out of that fullness rather than having to, how many times, you know, typically the way a worship service goes on a Sunday is like two fast songs. And those mm-hmm. are the songs that get people warmed up, right? Yeah. That we, we got to rev them up. We got to like get into it because it's been a long week and we have to get back into that mode. Mm-hmm. And then it gets into the slower intimate songs, right? But ultimately, if everybody is already full of the presence of God, um, we can we can touch heaven in a way that is, I don't know that we'll ever see the implications of it. And I will Earth say side. as a worship leader, there are Sundays where we start and I was like, oh, it's going to be one of these Sundays. Because <laughs> yeah. it was like, I didn't even have to do anything and people were ready yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and that that's the ultimate. That That is what what we desire. Does it always happen that way? No, sometimes worship as a worship leader, it's plowing. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, we're going to get there. You got to follow me. But boy, it's nice when, when it's just people come ready. And I I think we can accomplish so much more Mm -hmm. when people have prepared themselves. Yeah. I think one aspect of hunger, it's not emotional not that it doesn't mm-hmm. impact the emotions but uh, I'm I'm not a person who really is driven for food uh, I mean <laughs> if I get hungry I eat but I could care less what I'm eating you know just open a salad throw it in you Lay know your hands on me <laughs> <laughs> and it's like okay oh, there's no salad in the house <laughs> grab a handful of nuts you know or whatever and uh, so when I'm hungry I want to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something normally I don't focus on those things, mm-hmm. uh, because eating comes from hunger. It doesn't come from pleasure. So it doesn't come from quote unquote emotions. And so I think if people look at hunger as an emotional thing, yeah. it's something that I just feel rather than sometimes, you know, my husband walks home and I go, Oh, you're cooking. Mm, that smells good. I, I think I'm hungry now. And I don't even think about being hungry till he comes home and starts cooking something. Then I go, okay, maybe I want to eat. And in, it, so it's not just driven by a feeling or emotion, but I believe that we can be that one cooking that make that yeah. causes people to say, oh, I really would like to eat. And other times I think it's like, this is this is important. Uh, being hungry uh, is important. It's not based upon my emotions. It's based upon a choice that I make. I need to feed on the things of God. I need to pursue these things because if I ignore them, it's going to negatively affect my spiritual health. So uh, I believe that hunger isn't just emotional. It is a choice. 
when you talk about spiritual hunger, something that I've learned from something that Bill Johnson said mm -hmm. is that in the natural, the oh, less yeah. you eat, the hungrier, the hungrier you become. Yeah. But in the spirit realm, the more you eat, the the hungrier you will be. Yeah. And so it's going to be hard to stir hunger within people that don't actively pursue feeding themselves spiritually. Mm -hmm. um, but that's why we have to be the example. That's why we have to set the table and offer, hey, dinner time, ring the mm -hmm. bell. And it's, you know, like you said in the beginning, you can't make anybody uh, hungry, but you can definitely set the table. I love the scripture. It says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, changing the way they think. And our God is so good and he is pursuing us. And even ones they might not lo look hungry at the moment, but the fact is God's goodness. They hang around the creek bank long enough. They're going to fall in that creek bank and experience the goodness of God and it will stir a hunger. That's a really good point because you don't always know what hunger looks like. Mm -hmm. See, a lot of times in the church circles, it, oh, the hungry person is the one running around the church, you know, mm -hmm. crying on the floor. That is a demonstration of yeah. hunger, but hunger doesn't always look that way. Right. And so that's why we also have to be discerning as well, that we can sense hunger and offer uh, the meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so sometimes if you just look at the external, you could be missing it. You could look at a person who is angry. Did mm -hmm. you ever hear a hangry? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they might be displaying things that are not really healthy, mm -hmm. but it's because there is a hunger inside of them that they that is not satisfied. And so we're seeing some negative responses to So they to don't them. know how to handle their hunger? Yeah. They, they don't know how to eat of this meal. And there is this void, this need, this spiritual hunger inside of them that they haven't learned how to connect to. So they don't know how to eat at that table yet. One of the things that we experience at our church is like we have seasons where there's seasons of growth and mm -hmm. They're new people, and they're not sure how to engage mm -hmm. with the hunger and worship. Or, but as time goes along, as they see it modeled, mm -hmm. then then they can be inspired to to I don't want to say fit into those things, but it it's inspired them to come to the table and, and eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just think teaching people how to prioritize him, how to make that a priority, not just church, but to prioritize him uh, and not just to come and do the routine thing. But the more you have those encounters, the more you trust him, the more you mm -hmm. trust his leadership, the more you trust his heart, the more that um, the fears that have held us, the lies that have held us begin to come to the surface. We become more aware of them. And that's when we are led into repentance. We can say, oh, I don't have to rely on this fear of what will people think because he loves me so much that it doesn't matter what people think. And so just teaching people, showing people, leading people, modeling it to people um, that he is the reason that we're doing all of this and um, and he is worth pursuing. Yes. And um, yeah, it's, it's a passion topic for me. But Well, as a worship leader, 
I don't want to be up there doing a song and dance. Yeah. I'm here to partner with you to experience an almighty God. Mm-hmm. And so I need you to partner with me. It's kind of like that. Uh, maybe some of you will understand this reference, but in Gladiator, where he, he does the gladiator thing and he's like, he throws the sword and he's like, are you not entertained? That is not what I am as a worship leader. Like, I don't want to entertain you. It's not about being a spectator. It's you're in the ring with me. We are in this together. And if we are in this together, man, it's powerful. But I'm not here to do the song and dance. That irritates me. When I think realizing, you know, like, I might not have the ability to lead in guitar like you do. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, when we're together in worship, we all are bringing something. Yeah, We are all bringing something. It's not just taking from what you're feeding. No, like ultimately you get to that place where you realize my worship is adding to this fragrance of worship yes. that that is rising, you know, to the Father. And so um, it becomes, it becomes more, uh, what's the word, participatory? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to where... Um, it's not just, well, you're leading and I'm following or, you know, I, I'm a spectator and you're the one leading. No, I have something to give just as much as you do. It's just, um, it's my heart. I can only give my heart, mm-hmm. which is all the Father wants of me. Yeah. <laughs> so the worship team could be on point and if people aren't engaged, it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. You know, and the worship team could be... Uh, yeah. You know, try, you know, like going through the mud, right? <laughs> They're having a hard time and the people are engaged and it works. <laughs> yeah. So it's a team effort, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if both are on, if both are all uh, fixed on the same target, wow. That's a good way of saying it. And it's why sometimes, you know, we have, I have grown up in this house with amazing worship. And it's why sometimes when I get to go to another um, place and um, and I'll just say like, like the musicians are not as skilled <laughs> or they're giving their best, but it's not what I'm used to. Sometimes my head can go, oh man, but I would miss it if mm-hmm. I stopped there because yes. it's really, really, really about, oh, is the presence of God in this room? That's right. That is, that is worship. That's where hunger can be cultivated. Now, ultimately, would I like there to be both? Yes. But, um, but hunger is You have to focus a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I, remember, I remember being invited to a church to preach. And in that church, everybody had a tambourine. <laughs> And I had, because I could, I need things to be on beat. <laughs> and uh, that's why you so don't want me to. During clap. that worship service, I remember kneeling down and like worshiping. People thought, man, he must be so spiritual. <laughs> no, I was focusing on the Lord. Please help me uh, get through this so that I can. But part of that is beautiful because yeah, exactly. then you're choosing what matters most. Yeah. Even when your ears are <laughs> hearing something. I just thought it was a funny example <laughs> to kind of hey, what I you were talking about. The year that we banned tambourines. <laughs> it was a glorious light. day. <laughs> yeah. But okay, we've been going really long. I just wanted to say one last thing because this was a question from a leader. Um, I do think 
in uh, our attempt or in our desire to stir hunger in people, um, sometimes we can look at the the ones who aren't hungry and try to cater to them. And mm. I think um, something that God's even been speaking to me is speak um, to the hungriest one in the room. Because I think that keeps our own hunger burning, that keeps our own flames um, hot because we are, um, we're not trying to... Um, you know, yes, ultimately we want everybody to encounter God, but to try to figure out how I can drum up hunger in one who's not hungry is going to make my own fire dim because I've then lost it's the It's just going to make you angry. Yeah, yeah. Like my fire, my hunger mm. is going to start to wane. But if instead we kind of go like, who are the hungry ones um, and speak to them, speak to the, the ones, even if it's one, if there's one person that is hungry, speak to that person because I think that just sets our eyes um, in a place where... Um, Again, you can't make anybody hungry, but your own hunger is going to continue to cultivate because that's what you're there for. It's not about like, you know, getting everybody to a certain level. You're there for him. Yeah. When you were talking, I thought of a good worship song that we could do that I might put on the list. Oh, uh, so yeah. Do you remember Burning Ones? Jesus Culture. It was an old yeah, one. Yeah. 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 So maybe it, it might be on the list at some point. <laughs> right. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. All right. I have a, I have a potential worship list that when people give me um, like, ideas, um, and then I put it on the list. And my internal joke is, this is where songs go to die. Yeah, there's like <laughs> three thousand songs on this list. No, I, I'm joking. I mean, I do pull from it. I go back and look, and where the Holy Spirit like illuminates it. But that's kind of. Well, a sarcastic that, joke. Everybody of, that hears a song that they like, they're like, "Oh, we should do this in church." And you're like, yeah. "Church would never end if we." <laughs> this person will go on name, but there's a person that gives. It's my sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have many sisters, so that's still. Uh, they'll give, a, and I'm like, "Who's going to sing this?" It's they, a rap they, song. They, it's a rap song or a gospel song. Have you heard me sing before? <laughs> like, who's going to lead this one? All right, all joking aside, you know who you are. <laughs> all right, well, question number two. What are some ways... Uh, okay, let me start over. What are some of the effective ways that you have learned to lead someone into greater levels of maturity? As a leader, we have a responsibility to create a culture of maturity. Have you ever seen that kid that's young but all they do is hang around older people. Oh, that was yeah. Me. Oh, that's really good. That's <laughs> like, really good. You're like, you're eight years old, man. Like <laughs> your vocabulary is better than mine. <laughs> you're more mature than me. And why is that? Because he's around it. Yeah, that's really and, good. And so if you have a culture that is a little immature, when people come into it, they'll just, they'll match the bar of where the culture is. It's really good. And so as a leader, you have to create a culture where there's maturity. And that's why we have the gossip-free zone and prejudice-free zone, because we're setting the bar here so that when you come in, there is an expectation. This is how we do things mm -hmm. around here. Yeah. So as a leader, you have to create a culture of maturity. And just like that one kid, it's like, you're wise or you're mature beyond your years. Why? Because he is engaged with older, more mature people. And you see the result of that. Exactly. I think we're very much a, a training and equipping church. And uh, whether it's 
you know, online mentorship courses or trainings that we provide, when people are hungry, uh, they they will come to those. If they want to grow, they will partake of those things because they've already begin began to develop some disciplines that have helped them to grow and to mature. Mm-hmm. So they're willing to take on more uh, responsibility, not unrealistic responsibility, but okay, I've made these steps. This is where I'm at. I'm willing to make even more steps mm-hmm. uh, so that I can grow and advance and increase. And I think if... If we're talking about being leaders, if we are modeling a lifestyle of, of personal growth, being a lifelong learner, uh, being authentic, uh, acknowledging that we don't have it all together, that we're a work in progress, it gives people who want to grow and mature um um, a, a greater sense of being comfortable with the areas that they need to grow in because we've acknowledged we're a work in progress. So they go, okay, uh, I, I'm willing to progress. I'm willing to take the things that maybe aren't where I want them to be to pay the price to become that. Yeah. So I, that's one reason why I've written books. That's one reason why we've developed trainings because people can, it doesn't have to be me in person. I mean, I've been mentored by a book somebody wrote. Yeah. I've been mentored by listening to things that people speak on because if, if, if I desire to mature, I will grab whatever resources are needed to do that. And so that's one reason... I love to develop resources. That's one reason why we have a podcast. Mm-hmm. Because if someone is hungry, they they will pursue. They will listen week after week. Just for, I'll tell you, if you listen to a whole hour of podcasts and there was just one thing you gained, that one thing can impact your your growth and your advancement and your increase because it's that one thing that the Holy Spirit inspired to you that you need at that moment. So when somebody really wants to mature, almost anything can be a tool to help them grow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, something that I've seen and like I kind of said this in the previous question, but is like as a leader, sometimes we really like that people are dependent on us. And so we try to keep them under us or needing us. And I think if you really, really want have a heart to let someone mature, uh, you have to be okay with them even maturing beyond you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's important about that, Katie, is because we all have different callings. Yeah. So there's areas in your life that you're farther in advance than me because of the grace gift that you carry. Same with Joel. And and so in these things, we can receive from one another and grow. It has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with title or position or... Because really, a good leader is excited when people can grow beyond them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah which is great when that's the case. It's not always the case. Um, But I think like just with that said, um, don't try to be that person's solution. Like Mm -hmm. if you're like, oh, they have to come to me to get the next step for their life, Mm -hmm. um, then they're limited to where you have come, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, that's just not a great way to lead. Um, So instead of just providing like, well, they have to come to me for the solution, I think the better way is, is usually to 
like if they come to you, help them to see the solution. It doesn't mean that you are the solution, but ask them questions that help them to see where the answer is. Or um, like if, if they if somebody asks me a question, I say, well, what do you think? Tell me your thoughts about that. Then they share something. And really, they may have already had the solution inside of them. They just needed kind of that support or that validation to say, yeah, you're on the right track. Do it. Go for it. That to me has been the... When when I am um, wanting to grow or mature in an area, that to me has been the most empowering thing. Is when I when I have already worked it worked on it on this area, and then I go to somebody who's ad, more advanced in that area, and I say, "Hey, this is what I was thinking. What do you think?" And they go, "I think you're on the right track." That is a huge confidence booster for me because I say, oh, I have this Mm -hmm. in me. Mm -hmm. I have this in me. And it's not like I'm independent and I don't ever need that counsel or that that leadership from someone else, but it empowers me to want to keep maturing because I can see the growth that's possible. I think that's what builds partnerships is... As each person grows, we all have something beautiful to bring to the table that not just complements, but makes us better together than we are separately. And in the process, we all go to a new level. We all mature. Mm -hmm. And one aspect of maturity isn't being the top down. It is uh, maturity is having the emotional uh, capacity to be able to receive from others, not yeah. just give to them, but to receive from them. That's a manifestation of maturity right there. Yeah. I also feel that leaders do a disservice to those that they lead by placing a low bar. Mm. Yeah. And my thought is, okay, let's let's go like from my standpoint as a parent. If I see my, if I see that my kids have greatness in them. What am I doing to pull that out? Mm-hmm. What am I doing to cultivate that? What am I what expectations am I placing on them for it to be manifested in their life? A lot of times parents, my kids are so great and they're running around punching people and doing <laughs> like you have to put X like if you have a low bar, mm-hmm. they're not they'll either reach that bar or they won't get close to that bar. And, and I will say that you can have so high expectations that, you know, I think that's dysfunctional as well, Right. but we should have high expectations along with grace, realizing Mm -hmm. that they might not reach it, but Mm -hmm. they can still be, you can still show love and compassion and, and have a teaching moment, but you have to place the bar high. I love when I hear from, uh, people that my kids interact with, like a youth pastor that will say they are so respectful. Mm-hmm. You know, they help, you know, uh, actually my son came home and he was at, uh, at a, another youth group and um, he goes, uh, they gave us an opportunity to help clean up. And he's like, my friends were saying, Hey, come play. And he's like, well, this came from me, but uh, we don't play until the work's done. And he said his friends looked at him like his head was on backwards. <laughs> like, what? what is this thing called? Uh, work. Work. <laughs> <laughs> and so my son was very excited about that. He's like, look, look, look at what I've done. Look at what I've demonstrated. Look mm-hmm. at what I led others into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And that's exciting. Do they always match or always meet that expectation? No. And that's fine. But if I had placed a low bar, yeah. I'm I'm doing a disservice to them. Mm -hmm. So if I see greatness in them, then I should expect greatness from them. Mm -hmm. Is it always perfect? No. That's why we need to have those expectations, but also have grace with it. It reminds me when you got married, you get very married very young and people say, oh, you know, just so young, so young. And now when I look back at it, I was like, whoa, we were young. <laughs> you know, when you're that age, you're like, we're not young. But you, you got these candy bars and you wrapped it in a, a quote by Ed Cole mm -hmm. that says, maturity is not based upon age, but the acceptance of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And yes, you have matured a lot in the last 20 some years, mm -hmm. but the fact is you were, you made a choice at that young age to accept the responsibility mm -hmm. to be a husband. Yeah. At that point, that's what you were embracing. Mm -hmm. And and you have fulfilled that responsibility and you keep working on that we'll responsibility. We'll have my wife on and she can. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what she says. <laughs> but, but that's the aspect of maturity is assuming the responsibility to to be willing to pay that price, to do the work of it. And just the process itself will mature us. And maturity is not an end goal because mm -hmm. we will spend the rest of eternity yeah. growing and maturing and becoming more and more conformed to the image of Christ. So if we put a, a destination place for maturity, we're already missing it. Well, when you think about it, the church has pretty high standards. If the standard is being conformed into the image of Christ. <laughs> there you go. That's a pretty high standard. <laughs> well, he says, I've called you to be perfect as I am perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not wrong to have high expectations. <laughs> yeah. And I understand someone's like, well, my parents had these. And I'm like, and I get isn't it. it wonderful? that the Holy Spirit lives within us to grace us, giving us the ability at that moment in time to look like Jesus. We might not look like Jesus every moment of every day, but when we lean upon the Holy Spirit, there's a supernatural grace to give us the ability to do what we think we never, ever could do. That's really when God shows up. When imperfect people are graced by the Spirit of God, we stand in all. <laughs> actually, I was having a conversation with my son the other day. I actually took him out and we went to see a movie and stuff. But on the w way home, we kind of had more of a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. And I was just telling him, that's why I place these expectations because I see greatness in you. Yes. I, and I want to pull it out. And I, and, and I was talking about how a lot of times what – kind of what I just said earlier is like when you have a low bar, then it's easier to teach these things when they're young. Yes. It's a lot harder when they're older. Most yeah. definitely. And so if they can get this in them, you know. It'll carry them the rest of their so life. I, yeah. Basically, when you set that expectation, you have to speak into it. You got to speak into the greatness of who they are and call it out. Another aspect that you need to do is when you set high expectations is you have to be patient mm -hmm. because they're just learning because they might do things out of ignorance, meaning they don't know right. and they're just learning and they have to be taught. Uh, another thing 
is you have to encourage it. You have to reinforce it. You have to validate it. You have to celebrate it. Mm -hmm. So when my son came home from the youth group thing, and when he told me about that, I was like, that is awesome. (laughs) You know, that's, I love to hear that. And I said, did your sister do that? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, yeah, she, I don't know if he encouraged her or what, but she did as well. I was like, I love to hear this. This is wonderful. <laughs> so I validate it. I encourage it when it does happen. That's be- that uh, one of your sons, the oldest one, we uh, we take the grandkids every Sunday and we walked into a, a subway and this woman saw him and said, I know exactly what you get. I mean, my grandkids have a habit. They They always get the exact same thing, you know? And so he came in, I know exactly what you get. And she began to make his sub. She goes, I... I remember what you get in your sub because you are the most respectful young man. And she just began to compliment him. And he goes, well, I try. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of saying thank you or whatever, you know, he's more of a black and white kid. And he goes, well, I try. But you, he was beaming. He was proud of himself, Mm -hmm. not in an egotistical way, but to recognize that showing respect and honoring people really is noticed and it does have impact. That was something that also happened. Like his principal came up and talked to me and and basically said, I just value him so much because I can trust him to Mm -hmm. help. I can trust him to be that leader, Mm -hmm. you know? And I don't want to toot my own horn, but it's because I placed an expectation to be mature, Mm -hmm. to be respectful, to be helpful. And one thing that I'll tell them is, because it makes it sound like uh, it's all about work. But what I say, when you work, you do it with everything within you. Mm-hmm. When you play, you do it with everything within you. When you have fun, okay, not pointing fingers, okay? <laughs> when you have fun, you do it to your full capacity. Whatever you do it, you do it to the ability that you have. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily about them doing it perfectly or working super hard. I think they should work super hard, but in the context of everything that they do, they do it to full capacity. Well, and one thing about leading leaders is that the bar is high and that that standard of um, like achievement or accomplishment is high, but uh, something else that's also, you know, maturity is more than just accomplishment. Maturity is knowing how to fail well. It's knowing how to clean up your messes. It's knowing how to... Oh yeah, I had to say that. So what are you going to do about that? (laughs) How are you going to fix that? (laughs) And it's, and it's, it's learning how to mature and how to navigate the, those situations as well, which I know that you do with your kids. So it's, um, maturity is is not perfection. It's not right. about, uh, yes, the bar is high, the standard is high, but real true maturity is in those moments where you didn't get it right and what you do with that, where yeah. you made a mess, where um, you, you said something, you made a mess in a relationship. What are you going to do about that? The responses in those moments mm-hmm. speak volumes to a person's maturity. Um, if and some- it's one of the harder things as a parent to do is allowing them to experience the consequences of their actions. Mm-hmm. And love them through yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Because if they, like, if it's, if it's this, I'm not speaking of your kids anymore, but like, if it's this like expectation that they have to be perfect and if they mess up, they don't want to tell you, um, then you're not able to help them mature in that area mm-hmm. because they're driven by fear. But if, um, if they know that the bar is, is set high because you love them, because you're for them, because you'll support them um, through it, then even in those moments of, hey, we messed up, we all mess up, then they're going to be like, hey, I messed up. I want to grow in this area. Can you like show me how to be better in this area? Um, so the more that it's kind of blanketed in that grace and that love and that support, the more you're going to be able to help somebody to mature in a well-rounded way and not just in one area of their life. Right. I'm going through the certification and I was doing one thing, practicing this process. And uh, I said to the to my mentor trainer in this, I said, I just don't do that good. Yeah. yeah. And he said, yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. And he said, yet. Yeah. And he just took this thing where I thought I failed and he just said, yeah. That's so good. And it was with this confidence that you just keep doing it. Yeah. You'll do it great. Yeah. You know, but when you, he just said, yeah, and that was the end of the conversation. And I thought that is so See, what good. that did was it set that bar to you were, you were like, I'm not going to lower my standard. That's right. But he also said, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You're just not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. So let's go to the next one. Oh, oh you have more? I think we should not do the next question because it's getting long. But I had something else to add to that. Okay, go okay, go ahead. <laughs> but um, just in in speaking of leaders trying to lead leaders, um, I think that communication is so 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 important. And I've learned this, and am learning this, is that no matter what, we're going to lead according to our own biases. We're just going to do it. And so there was a situation recently where someone under um, my leadership, I thought that I was helping them by taking things off of their plate. And that's because I am a recovering independent and I, <laughs> <laughs> I think that I can do it all myself. And so I was trying to help them by taking things off of their plate. What I did not realize um, until we had a conversation was that they felt disempowered and that they felt devalued by my doing that. And so out of my, the, the thing that I thought was the best leadership decision to help them in that area was actually just me acting according to that bias in my own life. Um, and it actually disempowered them. And so I think if you're in leadership, if you are trying to lead leaders, having that open communication to say, hey, um, please tell me what, tell me how you're experiencing me. Tell me how my decisions are affecting you. How many times have I heard it, somebody in their job, um, they go, well, they, my boss doesn't realize that when they made this decision, blah, 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 and all these things, all these effects of the, the lower level people and how it hurt them and how it hindered them and they don't care and blah, blah, blah. Well, what would happen if that leader was so open and the communication was so open that they could go, hey, when you made that decision, this is how it actually affected us 
underneath you. And if if that partnership was there, if that communication yeah. was there, can you imagine the difference of environment, the difference of culture, the difference of standard, the difference of of maturity and leadership that would be in that atmosphere? And so I'm just learning that to keep those lines of communication really, really, really open, um, because that is going to stop that cap of maturity from from being placed. Um, because we just don't know because the communication is just not happening. And so um, I just think allowing that freedom and that creating that culture, creating the even the structures of of communication so that um, that you're talking with each other, you're working with each other and you're not just trying to lead someone from a distance, but you're actually trying to learn and mature from them just as much as they are from you. So you're saying for someone to mature, you have to give them the power of their own responsibility? Yes. So I was saying a lot of times leaders will, I want them to be mature, but you have to control everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to create a culture of maturity, you have to let go a little bit Mm -hmm. and allow them to experience the consequences or give them the opportunity to take responsibility. And also own up that you're not a perfect leader (laughs) that like I might be leading according to my own thinking, but that's just my thinking. That doesn't mean it's perfect thinking and being like being more self-aware of that, that I'm doing the best I can, but I can only see from one perspective here. Yeah. So their perspective might help us all to grow. Mm -hmm. It's really good. All right. Anything else? Oh, I was thinking our our tagline could be words is done. Words is done. I cannot as a grammar as a a grammar Nazi, uh, I cannot condone that. Well, guys, words is done. No. (laughs) Words are finished. Actually, uh, that brings brings me great joy saying that and watching you. (laughs) I was like, where's my red pen? Where's my red pen? Where's my red pen? That's I used to get made fun of for the red pen because I used to grade homework and so they would be afraid of the red pen <laughs> fixing their grammar. I want to end with um, <laughs> one thing I've noticed, like I've been doing a lot more of the social media stuff. Guys, when you share things, oh yeah, when you like things, I used to be like when I would listen to podcasts and stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, I, yeah okay, you know. No, it seriously, seriously does help. So yeah. if we post something, if we post a clip, share it, like yes. it, rate it, whatever it is. If, you, if you've been getting something out of this and you want to spread the truth that we're presenting, please share it. Please like it. Please yeah. comment on it. It really does help. Yeah, yeah. Christmas is coming. If you want to give us a Christmas gift, <laughs> this is how you can do that is just, uh, hit, just hit those buttons. Like, share, subscribe. Say, this is great. Merry Christmas. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> it will mean a lot to us. Yeah. Yeah. Because we want people to hear. I mean, I think it's awesome that you guys are listening, but I think, man. Yeah. I think this could be, be the gift that I'll, keeps I'll, I'll, use, I'll use the language mom uses change the world. This <laughs> could change. You the will world. impact all of humanity. humanity. <laughs> She's laughing because she knows it's yeah, true. Yeah, you got my words down. 
I was like, I need to communicate something to mom. What type of words <laughs> would she use in this? And it helps out a lot. In what? what well, do you- I don't know. If I need to communicate something, I need to speak your language. Oh, So okay. that you can understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Gotcha. That's another podcast, I yeah. guess. <laughs> All right. Well, it was a two for today. Just two questions because yeah. I was long-winded. But... <laughs> <laughs> Share, like, rate. He goes, yep. You know, you know the, you know the story. Yeah. Thanks, Do guys. All things. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.